In our Bible study of the book of Ruth, we are in the short chapter of Ruth, chapter 3. Now, just to kind of get us up to speed and, and take us up to this point, in Ruth chapter 1, we saw a lot of bad things happen. Even though this is a faithful family, we see the main characters are going to be Ruth and Naomi, and they kind of continue on throughout the pages of the book of Ruth. <clears throat> in that first chapter, they've each lost their husbands, and they've gone back and forth, and now they're, they're coming back into uh, the, the land of Canaan, the promised land, uh, the land that God's people are settled in at this point. And it's all negative at first. That's why even Naomi says, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, but call me Mara, which means bitter. Because just her life up to that point had been pretty bitter. In Ruth chapter 2, we start to see that there's another character that's going to be thrown into the, the mix here. And is going to be part of this story of Ruth. And that is the character of Boaz. We see that he is described as a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. That means that he is a relative, a, you know, kind of a close relative uh, of Naomi and Ruth, uh, Ruth by marriage at least. And we see that, that Boaz, he has been showing them favor. Uh, he's been very favorable to Ruth. He's been very favorable to Naomi. And one of the reasons why he's been doing that is because he's been showing them the type of love that, uh, that really like what Ruth has been showing the love uh, to Naomi. And he shares that love uh, practicing the, the great practice of loving his neighbor as himself. That's what we see him doing in Ruth chapter 2. And now in Ruth chapter 3, we're going to continue this story. So we see start to see good news in the previous chapter about Boaz. And now we're going to continue to see just how good this is going to be that Ruth has met Boaz. And in the last chapter, we saw that Ruth just so happened to be, you know, she just so happened to find herself uh, in the field that belonged to Boaz. Well, there's a lot more than just chance going on in here. Obviously, the Lord is guiding all of these decisions that are being made. So let's read together in Ruth chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose uh, women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. While he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. So in Ruth chapter 3, beginning in verses 1 through 6, we start to see that these things are, are unfolding. One of the things that Naomi says to her is, I must find a home for you. She recognizes that her current situation is just, it's just a temporary thing. Um, they, they need to have this type of plan because really what you have with Naomi and Ruth is you have these two widows. Um, Naomi is going to be an older widow. Ruth would be a younger widow. Uh, both of their husbands died in chapter one. We've already seen that. It's part of that negative things, just kind of the bitter part of their life. However, Naomi sees, okay, we've, we've got to do something about this. And she's talking about Boaz and everything, and, and she has this plan. And they plan together that they are going to get a little bit more active in just kind of passively sitting around and, and allowing uh, these events to unfold, which 
I think can serve as a little bit of a lesson to us that yes, sometimes things just so happen a certain way, like what Ruth just so happened to be, uh, find herself in Boaz's field. However, here, sometimes also we are supposed to be, be taking the initiative. We're supposed to do something about it. And here in this case, what Ruth needed to do is to uh, find, uh, find a home. Uh, that's pretty much what it was to be able to find uh, a man who was going to take care of them. Now, I know that some of this sounds a little strange to us and we kind of, we, we think this is a little bit odd, but I want to remind you that during this time, there was not a whole lot of hope for a widow to be able to make a good living on her own. Um, I, I'm not saying that's a good part of their society. I'm just saying that's just kind of how it was in the Old Testament, especially. So it was very important that everything was tied to, to men here. Uh, so much about the society was really tied to men. And I mean, we see that in, in many societies, um, you know, even today, we see a lot of that, uh, a lot of that happening. Um, but yet, right here, uh, what we see is these widows, they need a home. Ruth, she needs a home. And this plan is to go to Boaz after he has done his day's work and to talk to him. Uh, now, we don't exactly know what all uh, Naomi has in mind, but Ruth seems to take this plan and she just completely goes for it. I mean, she dives completely in. Let's keep reading. Verses seven and nine. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking uh, and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down in the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Okay, yes, of course he's going to be startled. Who wouldn't be startled at such a thing that's happening? Uh, so right here, yes, uh, we don't necessarily know if this is exactly what Naomi had in mind, but this is most certainly what Ruth does. She takes this uh, and, and goes completely into it. She has this conversation. She completely explains who she is, and she is starting to ask to spread the corner of your garment over me. Now, I want to tell you something very interesting about this, this phrase right here, because in English, we don't get it because it's kind of hidden within our translation. I guess you could say it's lost in our translation. But this phrase about spreading the corner of your garment over me, okay, we kind of get that as an idea of, okay, you know, uh, that he's going to be her protector, her cover. Okay, we, we kind of get that a little bit. We see this guardian redeemer. I mentioned last week that that guardian redeemer is someone who is a close relative, who it's up to them to be able to, uh, to help in these certain situations whenever uh, difficult times uh, fall upon someone. So yes, he was going to be stepping up and doing that. And that's what is being asked right here. But spreading the corner of the garment over me, there's also even a deeper meaning behind that. Because this Hebrew word that is translated as the corner of his garment um, is the same root word that we've already noticed in the previous chapter. See, in Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, uh, Boaz is talking to Ruth and he says, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So he's talking about taking refuge under the wings of God. So this image about taking refuge under the wings of God and right here, spreading the corner of your garment over me, it's the same uh, kind of word uh, phrase that's being used right here in this Hebrew. So yes, 
Ruth has decided to take refuge under the wings of the Lord. And that's one thing that Boaz already talked about. The verse right before uh, Ruth 2.12, going back up to verse 11, we see that Boaz says, uh, in response to Ruth's question, uh, I know, going back and back and back. Here we are. Ruth asks the question, uh, why are you showing me kindness? I'm just a foreigner. And he responds in verse 11, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know. Now, you know, keep in mind, this is that probably the most familiar passage from the book of Ruth. Whenever Ruth looks at her mother-in-law, going back to chapter one now, I know I'm going back and I don't have these things on the slide. I hope you're, you're following with me right here. So we looked at a few verses in Ruth two. Now we're going back to Ruth one. And whenever you go back to Ruth 1, we see uh, at the beginning of verse 16 that Ruth told Naomi, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back uh, from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So that is, is what we're seeing. We're seeing this story unfold. Okay, so Ruth has already stated to Naomi, look, your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. I am going to do this. In Ruth chapter 2, it was well known. Boaz knew that Ruth is this type of person. And he kind of you know pronounced this and, and all. And he said, may you richly be rewarded uh, by this God of Israel, the one under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now to us, we think, okay, well, this is kind of interesting. And it is. But remember, Ruth is not an Israelite. To us, no big deal, okay? You know, we're Christians. It doesn't matter what nation we come from, you know, whatever. That's kind of how we think. But right here, in the pages of the Old Testament, it did matter a bit. Because the ones who were from Israel, they were the ones who were given the law from God. They were the ones who were given the commands of God. And all the other Gentiles, or all the other nations, you know, the Gentiles... Uh, they weren't given those things. So what, what do you expect from Ruth? You don't expect her to act like a follower of God, but yet that's exactly what she is. She's not only acting like one, she is a follower of God. She has come under the wings of God to, to be provided uh, this protection. And now she's also asking that Boaz would spread the corner, you know, his wings, so to speak, and cover her. Because he is this guardian redeemer. Now, next week we're going to get into more about this guardian redeemer and kind of what that means. But you know, for this week, just kind of know it's a relative who's going to take care of her, and that's what we see up to this point. But now, notice the, the how the conversation continues, verses ten through thirteen. Now, the Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, "This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid." I will do for you all I ask. All the people of my town will know that you are a woman that uh, all of sorry, all the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Okay, so this is kind of his response. And um, basically, there's not much else of a way to, to see uh, what Ruth is, is proposing here in the previous chapter or in the previous verses. 
she literally, you know, in the language we'd use today, she pretty much just proposed him. You know, she asked that he would marry her. And he says, yes. He says, yes, this is, this is a good uh, thing to do. And he once again kind of praises her. Um, and we see that the statement that he makes in verse 11 is once again about how she is a woman of noble character. So she's this woman of noble character. Does that sound familiar? Does that phrase sound familiar? Well, maybe you remember about the wife of noble character. Now, the wife of noble character is a very famous passage from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 31, um, the kind of the last half of that chapter, and if you look at verse 10, you'll see about the, uh, the wife of noble character, or the woman of, of noble character. It's the same type of language that's being used right here of Ruth. So if you want to find out what type of person she is, I guess you could read that about the woman of noble character and you can find out the type of person that she was. Or you can also read the book of Ruth and you can find out the type of person that she was and how that she's already been so faithful. And she is such a, a, wonderful, a wonderful character in this book. But I also want to remind you of something else here. So we see that in verse 11 of this chapter, Ruth is described as a woman of noble character. But in the previous chapter, another interesting thing that we have found is that Boaz himself has been described as a man of standing back in, in uh, Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. And another way of kind of looking at that, it's the same thing as being that he was a uh, man of noble character. So Boaz is described as a noble man. Uh, Ruth is described as a noble woman here in Ruth 3.11. So we see that there's this, uh, this, this wonderful... Uh, match between the two of them in the sense that they are both noble. Uh, they are both followers of God. They both have this idea that they are going to get married and they're going to follow through with this plan. However, one of the things that Boaz mentions is he's not really the first in line to do this. He's not the closest uh, relative uh, who could perhaps redeem them. And he says, look, if that person wants to, to do his duties, then okay, if not, I will. So, you know, he says yes, but there is a little bit of a condition. And then the story continues on, though, because after this conversation, there's still more that happens. Verses 14 through 18 now. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you were wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until this matter is settled today. So here in Ruth 3, in these verses that we, uh, that we see, uh, with this we actually end uh, this chapter right now. This, this is how this chapter ends, so we will pick back up in this story and we'll see what Boaz is going to do uh, the next day. Uh, we'll see that next week whenever we continue on in Ruth chapter 4. But at this point, we see that he is still showing her kindness, still giving her food, still providing for her. So, you know, even if he doesn't become the one who is going to ultimately redeem them, he still is helping them. He still is doing all of these great things in order to, to help Ruth and Naomi. Uh, he definitely is showing her kindness. He's living up to being this man who is noble. She's living up to uh, being this woman um, who is noble. And another thing that's stated about Boaz is, 
that he will not rest until the matter is settled today. And Boaz is going to go and he's going to take care of the matter. And that's what he does in the next chapter. And with that, we're going to, uh, to end this week. And we will pick back up next week with Ruth chapter 4. And we will end this great book. And we can learn uh, some wonderful things uh, about uh, us today and, and kind of how it continues on uh, and what it means to us today. Uh, on that note about what it means to us today, I want to share with you something that we see um, kind of a New Testament connection. I did this last week and I want to do that again this week. And the connection here goes back to this phrase about the wings of God. So a New Testament connection that we can make. This is not necessarily the only one, of course, but this goes back to that, that statement that she makes here, spread the corner of your garment over me, and how he already stated that the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So all this is, is images that are used and oftentimes kind of seen. And uh, the next slide actually is, is a song about the shelter of God's wings. And I just wanted to kind of share this song with you. Uh, I've used it several times in these, uh, in these videos and all. Uh, but, you know, just the songs that we sing, they oftentimes do talk about the wings of God and, and taking uh, shelter under the wings of God. And even Jesus himself, he used that same type of language. That language um, that he used appears many times throughout the, the pages of the Bible. Um, language about God kind of being connected with, uh, with, with birds and wings and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of a little odd image to us. But even from the very beginning, uh, the Spirit of God, if you remember... Uh, back in Genesis 1, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. So even then you start to see you know, the idea of hovering and kind of wings and, and stuff like that. You, you start to see that. But in Matthew chapter 23, one of the things that we notice here in this chapter is he has just pronounced, uh, Jesus has just pronounced all these woes upon Jerusalem. And he is, he is disappointed at what is going on. And one of the things that he states here in verses uh, from Matthew 23, verses 37 through 39 Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus talks about how he wanted to shelter Jerusalem. Uh, like a hen, like a mother hen shelters with her wings, her, her baby chicks. But they weren't willing. What about us? Are we willing to take shelter underneath the wings of our God? Are we willing to also say, like what Jesus says right here, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I hope that we can join together in saying those things. I hope that we can be people who will find shelter under the wings of God. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be some difficult times ahead. Because even in this book of Ruth, what we are finding is difficult times do come uh, to even faithful followers of God. But God's wings are still there. And we can, we can uh, be provided with protection if we simply allow him to protect us, find that shelter, and to praise him. And say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Far away I cry for you to bring me near. My heart is overwhelmed, my spirit is cast down. 
But the shelter of your wings, my Lord, leads me through this troubled ground. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your shelter sets me free from grips of sin and shame. Beneath your wings I soar, lifted high by Jesus' name. My strength is in your power, my might is not my own. It's the shelter of your wings that will carry me toward home. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your mercy and your truth led through the troubled way. The heritage of hope led me high when low I lay. Mix with justice in the shelter of your wings. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings.